Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I've got my co-host, Curtis, here with me today to recap Georgia's latest blowout win this time over the Missouri Tigers, and we will recap all the happenings from that win over Missouri here momentarily. But first, I do want to remind you guys, the next time you plan a trip to Athens, make sure to check out the normal town cottage on Airbnb. Don't even worry about the hotels, guys. I know, I know, they're downtown, hotels are easy, right? No, the normal town cottage, that's the easy way to go and the right way to go. They have all the comforts of home. They really take care of you. You've got three bedrooms, you've got a kitchenette, you've got a big screen TV, an awesome host who will take care of all of your needs. Oh, and yeah, you also don't have to pay for parking. Free parking on a beautiful tree-lined street right in the heart of Athens with great bars and restaurants just down the street, easy walk away. It really is a no-brainer, so make sure to check out the Normal Town Cottage for your next stay in the Classic City. You can find them on Instagram. You can also check out the link that's pinned to our Twitter profile, at Glory underscore UGA. Or you can just go to Airbnb and search for the Normal Town Cottage to book your stay today. And also make sure to check out our good friends at Alumni Hall for all your Georgia gear and accessory needs. I know the holidays, guys, they're right around the corner. You got to start thinking about it. And Alumni Hall is the best place to get all the gifts for the Georgia fans in your life. Men, women, kids, it doesn't matter who you're buying for. They've got you covered. They're the best selection of Georgia gear that you will find absolutely anywhere. So make sure to stop in the Epps Bridge Shopping Center today or online at alumnihall.com. All right, guys. So another blowout win just slightly fell short of covering the spread, but a big win nonetheless. If you've lost count, that is now eight straight wins by the Dogs by 17 or more points. The sixth time in nine games that we've held an opponent to under 10 points scoring and the sixth time this season we have held an opponent under 300 yards of total offense. Yeah, we did fall behind for only the second time all season. I think the Auburn game, right? That was the only other time we fell behind. They, they kicked that field goal on their first drive. But we were able to quickly reclaim the lead with an explosive 19-point second quarter, and the rest was history. But Curtis, despite the final score, despite the final box score and those numbers, which obviously ultimately ended up being very one-sided, you know, with a 43-6 win, we outgained them by 230 plus yards. Despite all that, I'm not sure that was a vintage Georgia football performance. Kirby Smart talks a lot about playing to a standard. You know, the the idea that, that the opponent is nameless and faceless. The opponent is irrelevant. It's about playing to your standard. Don't worry about them. It's about you. We've heard that over and over again. And I buy into it. And I really think our team has bought into that this season. It's As far as I'm concerned, it's one of the big reasons why we haven't had that no-show game yet. Hopefully, we do not have that game, but you know, a lot of the national media have been waiting for that game because the narrative coming into the year was, well, Kirby Smart's good for at least one of those kind of games every year. Kirby Smart will screw something up somewhere along the way. Hasn't happened yet. Knock on wood. Hopefully, it doesn't happen at any point, but I think a big reason why we've been able to avoid that trap game, that spot, like, I don't know, South Carolina back in 2019 
is because we aren't relying on the opponent to bring out the best in us and to get up for that game. I guess the way I would put it is that we are intrinsically motivated more so this year than we have been before, where it's about us. It's not about them. We want to play to our level of play, to our standard, to our maximum capabilities. But Curtis, how close to that standard do you feel that we played yesterday against Missouri? Especially offensively, I thought we did not play to the standard. Um, I think, in my opinion, I felt like at times we were lethargic in the way we went about things. Um, we were sloppy at times. Um, I know we didn't have – I guess there was a turnover later in the game. But the fact – like there weren't any big turnovers. So the fact is we just – I know Kirby in his post-game press, press conference was talking about us making the big um, explosive plays. But um, the drives – just felt very, like I was saying, lethargic in the fact like we weren't moving the ball well except for like those big plays. Yeah, I totally got that feeling as well. And for me, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to take this back to last week as well against Florida. I don't know about you, Curtis. I know, again, look at the box score, look at the final score. We dominate the game. Actually, technically Florida outgained us in that game, so I don't know if you look at the box score, but look at the final score and you see, wow, Georgia dominated Florida. I don't feel like that was a great performance. Did you? No, I, I was very outspoken, I think, in my opinion, that like while we dominated the box score, the fact was it didn't feel like we dominated, especially offensively. And to me, it's been almost two weeks in a row that well, even going back to Kentucky, we played really poorly that first half. We haven't really been clicking on offense at all, if it, it feels like, other than a few big plays here and there. We haven't been imposing our will offensively. We have been defensively, and that's been the case throughout the year, and that's what's gotten to this point, and that's why we are number one in the country right now, as everyone's clear number one. But offensively, you're right, Curtis, and I think this case was just a microcosm of that. We have not been able to impose our will offensively. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Like, the fact was, those, first, those last couple weeks before Kentucky, we were doing a good job of tiring them out and then just kind of imposing our will in the second half. But the fact is, like, I'll talk about it probably a little later, but the run game has not consistently been there at all. And I know um, Missouri was selling out to stop the run, and I kind of will talk about that in my opinion. But the fact is, we just haven't been doing enough to keep them off balance. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and that's that's part of this equation. I think the bigger question is, okay, if we're not imposing our will offensively, and again, it's hard to say that because you look at the final scores and George <laughs> is blowing everybody out. But I think those of us who are really watching this game closely, we understand who we're going to have to beat down the road. I'm not going to say it's time to you know sound the alarm and freak out, but like it, it's something that that bears watching, and we need to be cognizant of that, and that we need to be better offensively. And I don't know if we will be able to impose our will, curse. And that brings up the bigger question: Why haven't we been able to do that offensively? Well, I think realistically, teams want to try to stop us in the run game, so it's going to be harder to do it. And the fact is, we haven't. Going back to Florida, and I talked about it a lot last week, the fact is we don't scare people deep right now. And so it's harder for us to impose our will when you're not stretching them vertically at all. And while Kirby did kind of address this more or less in his post-game press conference um, with DJ Shockley, he was talking about it like it was nice to see those explosive plays because he said the more we go and to win a championship and to be a championship team, you have to throw the ball more. You have to score more points. And he had, he acknowledged that we have to be more explosive in the pass game himself even. You know, it felt like he was acknowledging and saying, like, we're not going to be able to impose our will on everyone, especially if they're not afraid of us in the passing game. Well, here's the thing, Curtis, and we had a lot of questions for the mailbag this week about this very topic. Our offensive line is simply not built to be able to impose our will on teams, right? I well, mean, especially, that a fair especially, when you have, especially when you have Salyer out right now. Um, you saw there was a couple times where we were getting tackled from behind or, you know, down the line. Um, and the fact is, yeah, realistically, when you're starting left guard as Warren Erickson, no, you're not built to have road graders like you were when we had someone like Ben Cleveland. Yeah, Erickson, right guard, yeah. And then and Schaefer's a big – he's our biggest guy in the interior, but he spends so much time just flopping around the ground. It's like he, he doesn't play his his size. You know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly. And that's Van the thing. Friend. We don't have – we don't – we forever this thing, understand Pittman was the road graders, and we don't have those anymore. And I think we still have big guys, but we're kind of where we want to go with Matt Luke is a little bit more athletic guys so that you can be more explosive in the passing game where they can pass a lot better because I think that was one of the biggest problems under um, Sam Pittman was we weren't always the great pass walkers with those big guys because they were a little bit slower. And the fact is if that's going to be your offensive plan, you can't um, – you're not going to have that strength to impose your will as we're used to in the run game. 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, and I know, again, you look at the box score, the final numbers, you're like, Tyler, what are you talking about? We had 168 yards rushing on 33 carries, 5.1 yards per carry. That's a, that's a good day at, at the park, right? I mean, that, that's a good day by most team standards. But think about down to down, Curtis. How many times we stopped the line of scrimmage for a one-yard game, for a two-yard game, for no-yard games? And you had to resort to things like Kiaris Jackson on, on the fly sweep, Arian Smith as well, getting those guys involved to put up. I mean, our biggest run, our biggest rushes of the day came from Kiaris Jackson busting off a 30-plus yarder. We had, like, I think, a 15-yarder from, from Arian Smith. Those are our biggest plays in the game, in the run game. So it's, like, it's kind the of the thing is too, just The thing remember. is, too, you're going to have to do it, though, especially when teams are trying to stop you in the middle of the box and make you beat them in the past. Yeah. You are going to have to find more creative ways to stretch them, especially in the run game, because that's just the fact of the matter is if that's how they're going to try to check you, you have to make the moves back, and you can't play into their hands every single time. So, And I think that's another problem, too, is like, since Kirby's gotten here, we've run the ball so effectively. People are just expecting us to run the ball at times. Even when we were putting up 400 yards passing last year against Mississippi State, and again, we put up big numbers against Cincinnati, no one talked about the fact that, oh, hey, I mean, we talked about it against, against Mississippi State. But a lot of the narrative more than anything was, well, why why couldn't we run the ball? I mean, they, they were like, yeah, we threw for a lot, but where was the running game? And that's just because that's so much of what people have gotten used to, especially like they expect us to have more yards rushing than passing realistically. Well, Curtis, the, the problem is everyone that we play, we've talked about this before, everyone that we play knows what we want to do offensively. They know that we want to football, run the football. Eli Drinkwitz made no bones about that. In his post-game press conference, he said they were asking about you know their success, kind of trying to stop the running. So we knew what they wanted to do. We know what Georgia does. They want to run the football. So, yeah, we try to stop the run. And when you do that, you're vulnerable to big plays down the field. And we were able to capitalize on some of those. We need to hit more of those because that's what like, – the problem with the run game, especially in this game, and going back to last week as well, but more so this game against Missouri, is they were just outnumbering us in the box, Curtis, right? And yeah. they, like, go, I mean, go back that's going to happen. It's, it's happened since Kirby's been here. Go back to, to 2016-17. Yeah. It happened every single game, and we were still able to make those plays happen. Now, the – Part of the problem is we have really good running backs. We don't. We talked about this last week. We don't have Nick Chubb. We don't have Sonny Michelle. We don't have DeAndre Swift. We don't have these guys who are like borderline first round picks or right in the first round, like Sonny Michelle was at the very end there. Uh, we don't have those kind of guys. And like, but we've seen this over and over again with loaded boxes, and we're able to to have success against them, and hit big plays. And one of the things is like when you have those loaded boxes like that. When you have so many bodies in there, you break that initial line of scrimmage, and then you're off the races because you don't have the guys in the secondary there to come up and run support because they're off the line of scrimmage. You break past that initial line, and you're good to go. You, you make huge plays in the run game. We haven't been able to do that. We haven't been explosive. That's that's the fact, Curtis. It's not even just this year. Going back to last year, we have not been, and even a little bit in 2019, we have not been explosive in the run game for a minute, man. Like It's been a minute since we've been explosive in the run game. Well, and, and, yeah, I, and one game, thing is, I, one thing especially is like, it's funny. I was watching the Auburn and A&M game at one point, and there was a very nice run um, to the outside, and a lot of it was set up by the fact you saw Demetrius Robertson, you know, man, man, almost manhandling his guy on the edge. And, like, that's what you're taught at Georgia, and we haven't really seen that as well as our blocking on the edge, especially when you need the big explosive plays. And part of that I attribute to, I mean, if you watched it, um, I can't remember, it was – it was the one play where we scored a touchdown, and a lot of it was on the fact of A.D. Mitchell was just blocking his guy down the field yeah. right by the goal line. And, and of anyone that got a biggest way to go, wasn't the guy who scored a touchdown, but it was A.D. Mitchell because he was out there blocking on the edge. And that's what we, where we have to continue to improve. We talked about that all year, and we're getting better there. We're just not where we were in 2017. We're just not there on the outside blocking on the perimeter. Uh, Jermaine Burton's come back. And Jermaine had some issues earlier in the year, come off the foot injury, the ankle injury, but he's gotten better now he's back in the lineup. I, I, I was seeing some good things before he got injured. I thought he had a good game blocking on the edge yesterday. Um, some, they're getting better, but the fact is we have so many young receivers, and they just – it's in high school, you don't do that. No, the receivers don't worry about blocking in high school. It's just not what they worry about. So all these guys are having to learn at the same time and they're just not there we don't have the veterans you don't have a terry gob you don't have a javon wims out there even a Mikol hardman you don't have the guys that have been out there and and just been in practice for years repping this stuff over and over again they're all kind of learning on the fly and that that has been part of the problem but yeah, going back to this specific game yes they were outnumbering us in the box and a lot of those plays are getting stopped at or behind line of scrimmage there were free runners all right free runners are really hard to stop now part of that is the quarterback's got to get us in the right play 
switch the direction of the run. A little bit of that is on the offensive coordinator. And we've talked a lot about Todd Munkin, how high we are on Todd Munkin. I will say there are some things I would like to see Todd Munkin. He knows, again, far more about football than I will ever know. I'm going to put that out there. But, I mean, just as a fan who goes back and pours over the tape myself, you know, as just an amateur here, I would really like to see us do some things to open up the run game more. Because, Curtis, the fact is our <laughs> offensive line is not built to impose their will on defense, not the way we were in 2017, 18, even 19. It's not that kind of line when you got two centers basically playing who can't get any movement, any kind of consistent movement. You got your right tackle. Warren McClendon's a good player. He's not a, a big road bear type guy. He's not Isaiah Wilson. He's not getting massive movement out there. And now with Jamari Salyer out, you got Roger Jones. Roger's super athletic. He's going to be a really good player. He's not a big guy right now. The knock on him last year was he got injured and wasn't strong enough. He's getting stronger, getting bigger. He's not there yet. We are not equipped right now to just plow over teams. And we've heard... For a couple of weeks now, Curtis, when Kirby's asked every single press conference about the quarterback position, which he is, what is one of the things he always goes to about why Stephen's playing? It's mobility, right, Kurt? It's yeah, mobility. mobility. Yeah. Do you think we're using Stetson's mobility enough in the run game right now? No, because I was actually going to talk about that. Um, you see all these sports writers, they want to go back to as soon as JT was put in, our, our running games kind of went downhill. And that's all because he has a lack of mobility. But the fact is, well, we've gone with the mobile quarterback the last couple of weeks, and our run game has been non-existent for the most part. So, well, I don't want to say it's how, been non-existent. It just hasn't actually, been good enough. Well, right? back to it, it's about the same almost the same level as it was under J, when, it, when we have JT in there stretching the field. And, that, and yet to all the sports writers, that wasn't good enough. Yeah, I mean, what we saw against Missouri was, I mean, I'm going to pull up the, the numbers here. What we saw against Missouri yesterday, that was equivalent to kind of what we saw against South Carolina when JT was starting. You know, I mean, it was very similar. Yeah, 84 yards directing at South Carolina, 168 in this game, 5.1 yards per carry this game, 5.9 against against South Carolina, actually. Go, go, go back to Clemson, 121 yards rushing, 3.9 yards per attempt. Not that different than what we saw there, right? Yeah, and that was a fully loaded Clemson front seven, and and that's kind of what I, I was going to talk about when I was, said I was bringing it up later. So the fact is, like that was his big thing is his mobility, and like every all these sports writers claim that's why you have to go with him because he makes our run game better, which is apparently more important to them than putting up points like maybe in a passing game or something. I'm not going to address that. But the fact is, if that's the case, that we're not seeing it right now either. Well, if you watch it, and then, there are plays if you watch very closely where there are clearly- plays, but the thing is. You you have to do more than just one or the, sprinkle them yes. in if that's what it, the big yes. the, if the big separating factor is right now. Yes, there are plays where just his his presence there is holding the backside in or front side in if we're running bash and and it creates a, a little crease there for running back to, to go through. But here's what my problem is right now. If that's the reason, if that's a primary reason, I'm not saying it's the reason, but if that is a a big part of the equation as to why Stetson Bennett is continuing to get the starts is his mobility and what he does for the run game. I think we need to use him in the run game more. And I know the knock is he's small. If he gets hit, he's going to get hurt. Well, you know what? We have JT Daniels. At this point, mobility, if you say, well, he's mobile, but he can't get hurt, so we don't want to get hurt, so we're not going to run. And then his mobility is a moot point, right? You know what and I'm see, saying? Like, that, that, that's where I am. That's kind of why I'm annoyed with it is like, okay, you're kind of talking about mobility, but all right, our offensive running game isn't anything better right now, and you're not really using him sparingly because you're afraid of his health. Well, then you can't ha- – You can't. it's, it's just point. like you can't have it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a moot point. That's like, I just, that's, that's a source of frustration for me right now. It's like, I, I understand mobility guys. I understand how important it is to have a mobile quarterback, a guy who can extend plays and Stetson d- does a great job. There was a play. It was almost a touchdown. It was one of the, one of the two plays for Jermaine Burton uh, got knocked down the one yard line where Stetson extended the play, escapes the pocket and finds a kind of a scrimmage rule finds Jermaine Burton, gets the ball down the one-yard line. That's a great play. JT Daniels doesn't make that play, all right? So there are plays where that Stetson can make that JT cannot. And there's, like we've been saying, there are plays that JT can make that Stetson can. But so that can help. But what I want to see is I want to see Stetson Bennett be a more active part of our run game. He needs to run the ball more. This just waiting to pull it out, you know, one or two times a game with a quarterback draw or this random zone read where you see that you watch all game and the backside ends crash on the place. Because that's happened a lot. These ends are crashing on our running backs. That's one of the reasons they get these free runners because well, they outnumber. Just, just, like, just like Stetson, though, sometimes I don't know if it, he's making an incorrect read. Like the one where James Cook almost got killed, James Cook made a great thing, cool. stopped and pivoted out. And got some yards. Stetson, Susie hands it off, almost grabs his head. Like, oh, why didn't I pull that out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and, and like I know a lot of times we want to say like, oh, like with Jake Fromm, like he had no choice. I think Stetson had the choice right there, and yet 
made the wrong choice and almost well, got thrown back. Killed next, it's hard to know when Stetson, like when the play call is actually like a legitimate zone read or a, a bash play where the quarterback does have the option to pull, <laughs> and when he when it's just a, a called hand off the running back and you just carry out the fake like you're going to run it just, just to make them think about it. It's just hard to know. But sometimes the coordinator just says, I want Zeus. I want James Cook to get the ball in this play, so we're not even giving the option. I don't like that. If Stetson's out there because of his mobility, Stetson needs to have the option to pull it the vast majority of the time. I know there's sometimes a situational ball where, you know, it's fourth and one, third and one, whatever, and you want the big guy to get the ball. You want to feed Zeus. I get that. But more often than not, if, again, if Stetson's out there because of his mobility, if that's a primary factor in his 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 ability to, to be out there and be our starter, he needs to be given more freedom to run the football. And I know he's small. You got to trust the guy to get down. All right, that's just you got to trust him to, to slide, get down. I mean, Curtis, he's no bigger. I mean, like Bryce Young and him are very similar sized, right? More or less. And I know they don't run yeah. a ton of design stuff for Bryce Young, but these guys know to get down. That you just have to coach him to do that. So to me, one thing that will really help the run, if you have all these free runners, what do you do? Will you option off these guys? How do you, if, if they're out numbering in the box, how do you take the number game back? You use the quarterback as a runner and not just once or twice again, keep them honest. It needs to be more consistent. It needs to be more built into what we're doing offensively. And on top of that, we need to be running a lot more RPOs. Okay. We're running some RPOs. I'm not saying it's not in our offense, but if teams are going to continue to defend us like they are, trying to outnumber us in the box and take away the run game, which is what's been happening every single week. It's been happening every game. Kirby Smart's been our head coach, essentially. We need to be heavy on the RPOs. Again, how do you attack them when they are outnumbering you in the box? How do you take back numbers advantage? You option off one of those defenders, whether it's in the run game, whether it's in the pass game with RPO. Those are the kind of things that we need to be doing more consistently. I'm not saying we're not doing it all. We are at times. I don't think we're doing it enough at this point. Is is that am I crazy here, Curse? Are you seeing the same thing? No, I mean, like you said, like the whole fact is if a big of the separator is Stetson's you know, mobility, then we need to build our offense around it actually and stop trying to yep. kind of more or less run an offense as if JT was the quarterback. That, that's a great way to put it because I think I think we have morphed it some to, to where you know, we're running the ball seventy percent of the time with Stetson, you know, as as our quarterback since he's taken over and JT's injury as as opposed to like, you know, in the, in the mid fifties before that so we have gone more to the run game but we're still trying to more or less run a very similar offense to what we were with jt just running the ball more is that you know what i'm saying here i think like structurally we need yeah. to do different things i think we need to involve the quarterback run game we need, we need to get more creative there we need to we need to get more diverse in the quarterback run game and i think we need to get more diverse in the rpo game because i think that's if we want to be this team that wants to run the football 70 well, and if, if Betson's going to continue to be the guy and the whole reason is because of mobility, then you're going to have to do that. If, yeah, if, if we're going to make a change back, yeah, if we're going to make a change back to JT, then okay. But the fact is, you it, depending on who you are, you have to run the offense that fits them best. And right now, they're not really fitting. If Stetson's going to continue the guy, they have to cont- try to make the offense fit his skill set better and what they say separates him better. Because if I, JT's I in there, he's probably throwing, if JT's in there, he's probably throwing attacking the ball downfield more and doing those things that fit him. Well, you got to fit what fits Stetson then. Yeah, I think what we're seeing right now is like a half measure. It's like, well, yeah. we, we want to go kind of more to what Stetson does well, but maybe not all the way because what if JT comes back and we like we want to be able like to get him back in the swing of things. And if he takes over again, we want the offense to be what suits him best. And so it's like we're not willing to go all the way into what really fits they're not commi- like they're, the best. It's, there's no commitment here. It's almost like you're, it's like they're afraid to put a title on stuff. Yeah, it's just you know, it's the a half measure. It's like we like don't that's know. how it is. And I think yeah. part of it is the uncertainty. Like the, like there's uncertainty in the fan base. The coaches are uncertain from week to week what's going to happen at quarterback. How healthy is JT? Who's practicing the best in practice? Like what's going on in the locker? Like we don't know these things. And it's just like the coaches to make the decisions, but it can be different from week to week. And so I, I think it's on one hand, I understand that it's hard to really go all in and changing your offense to fit Stetson like 100% when you're just not sure he's long-term the answers. Maybe they're like us and they're like, hey, you know, when we play some of these better teams down the road, JT probably gets us a better chance to win. So do we really want to right now completely change everything? If we change everything, then like there's no going back. Does that make sense, Kurt? Well, that, and that's my thing too, though. Like as we'll get it, probably talk about the quarterbacks that so everyone wants to know. You can't keep, you know, doing these half measures. Yeah. It's um, at some point we had to make a decision. It's, that's just the reality. At some point we had to go all in with somebody. 
And that's not who, whoever you go with, you're going to piss somebody off of your Kirby. And he knows that. I mean, there's no winning here unless you win football games. Um, that's the ultimate winning. I get, and I don't even know if that will shut people up, but that's the ultimate winning. But at some point, we should have to make a decision and be like, this is the guy. And if, if he gets hurt, that sucks. And we got, we, we, we feel really comfortable with the guy we have behind him. You know, we have to have a starter and a backup. And I guess right now Stetson is a starter, but I just get the feeling that maybe the coaches feel like maybe they want JT. I don't know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Um, but, Kurt, let's go there, man. You kind of alluded to it. We've been talking about the quarterbacks and beating them around the bush here. It certainly would not be a Glory UGA recap episode this season without discussing the quarterback situation in depth. So, yeah, I mean, we we know JT's been clear. He's been practicing, getting more reps, uh, starting with the bye week. But as expected, Stetson Bennett did get his fifth consecutive start, six of the year, <laughs> five in a row now. But J, JT did make his return, entering the game. Uh, I think we were at, what, 33-3 at that time, Kurt? I think it was the second drive of the third quarter. Is that right? I think that's I right. think so. Yeah, and then he went the rest of the way. So um, we, talked to, we talked about this a little bit already, but what did you make of how both quarterbacks played? Um, Stetson, outside of two throws, was nothing special in my opinion. Um, he made a great throw to Arian Smith. I want to say that was a great throw. That was an incredible throw. It was a dime. Yeah, read it, read it quickly. I think Stetson's better when he reads it quickly. When he has too much time to think back there is when he is dangerous. Yeah, he um, saw man coverage on fourth and short, and he took the shot. I mean, when he, honestly, when he put it up, I was like, oh, God. And then it's like, oh, let's go. Yeah, and that was a great throw. And then the one you mentioned earlier about scrambling and hitting Burton, that was a great throw. Rest of them, uh, some were completions, some were not. Like the throw, there was a throw earlier in the drive where he threw it to the touch on Aaron Smith where he threw it into really bad coverage. Um, Which one? On the, uh, it was the one on that drive to Aaron Smith. It was like earlier in the drive, down the oh, down the left side of the field. Yeah. I can't remember the exact play, but he threw it. Was it, it was Jackson, terrible. right? He made the, like, I thought it was picked yeah, at it, first. At, well, no, there was, there was that one too, but there was one that was down the left side of the field, and it felt like it was almost an opposite of like last week where he threw it to Fitzpatrick when he shouldn't have, but on the left side into coverage. Um, yeah, he, but yeah, the one to Rosen, like saying, it was, there was two on that drive. I believe it was that drive, but there was two when we were going that direction. The one that Rosemary Jack Saint should have been picked. I don't even know how it wasn't picked. I thought it was picked. Um, again. I, I literally, the stadium was like, oh, Jesus. I was like, oh, he caught it. Okay. Yeah. I was very shocked. I, I'll have to go back and look at the replay. There was one to the left side of the field where he threw into some bad coverage. And I was like, what are you doing? That was just not the throw to make right there. And then even the touchdown to – or almost touchdown to Jermaine Burton. Yeah, should have been. Hope, I thought it was – That like, was just a, that was just a great catch, as simple as that. It wasn't like, a bad throw, but it wasn't a, an elite throw. He, 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 he could have walked in the end zone if he leads him, yes. Well, and he underthrew it to allow the DB to make a play on the ball. Yeah, yeah. And then one, was, throw that really bo- throw. one throw that really bothered me because the drive ended up not being a touchdown – was the throw to Kenny McIntosh yep. out of that wheel? Yep. Throw it up, let him run under it. That's a walk-in touchdown. That's a walk-in but touchdown. But he throws a drive that Kenny. Yeah, and he th- yeah, and and it, we don't score on it. So that's why I got really mad because we didn't score that drive. And he was bailed out by an amazing catch by Kenny McIntosh. Because if Kenny doesn't make that one-handed catch, you just wasted a wide-open throw. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I yeah, there were some throws that he missed, and there were some throws. Yeah, there were some good, and there were some bad, like the 
ones I mentioned and like the one you talked about with the scramble, he did some good things, but there was also a lot of like, uh, yes. Okay. But here, Chris, you're right. You're not wrong in saying that. But here's what I would say too. I was, I was thinking about this and I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. I do feel like we hold Stetson Bennett to a different standard than we have any other quarterback. I think we did this to Jake Fromm. Like we held Jake Fromm to a different standard than we did Justin Fields or whoever it was. It's like whenever Jake would make this any mistake, we kill Jake. Whenever the other guys make mistakes, oh yeah, but he's still really good. And I think we're kind of falling in that trap here with Stetson and JT. It's like, the well, idea I'm going like, to continue. Sucks I'm going to continue. Can't do any wrong. But let's talk about JT. How well, do you think no, JT, JT threw that bad pick. Other than that, he played well. And the reason I'm so hard on Stetson is because all these sports writers and all these fans and everything want to forget the good he's ever done. And anytime Stetson does something, it's like, oh my God, he's walking on water. But then want to throw away the all the mistakes he's made. Like people are like, oh, JT threw a pick. Yeah, he hadn't played in six weeks. You bring him in off the bench. What happened all those other times we were bringing Stetson in off the bench? Oh, yeah, he threw a pick against South Carolina. Yeah, threw a pick against a Vanderbilt. Road. Yeah, But that's what yeah. I'm saying. He, he's, he's done that, but people want to forget it because when he's starting and he's in the flow of things, he's playing better. But then when JT comes in off the bench, not playing for six weeks, they want to hold him to a different standard too and, for, and you know, not sure. act like Stetson ever made mistakes when he comes in off the bench. Yeah, so and that's I'm why really I'm going to continue to hard. I, I'm just saying in general, like I think – because I hear you know, cause it's it's almost shaping up like it did with, with Fromm and Fields at this point. It's like we got team Stetson. Well, and that's what I hate team. because Kirby has now – well, Kirby has now put us in another situation where this is happening. And like I said, yeah. I know you can't be honest about people's injuries and things, but the way he plays it creates these situations between the fan base. And that's why it's just like you can't get out of your own way sometimes. Well, I think in some in some – respects that's very true i think i've i've been open saying i think the messaging has been a problem for him with this well just like but, the messaging here has been a problem because you go into the you're talking about carson beck being the number two guy yeah, that as was soon dumb. as jt goes down you skip over him and go to number three so his messaging is terrible and until he learns how to c- communicate a message better it's going to continue to do this it's almost like he's too secretive for his own good sometimes look kirby smart has gotten us into this position he's in he's done an incredible job it doesn't mean he's above reproach i, I do think the messaging he doesn't do himself any favors here. I, I certainly think that's the case. I will say with this case, more so than like with in 2018 with Fromm and Fields, he's kind of a victim of circumstance here. Like with, with Jay, like it sucks that JT got hurt. It, the way it just played out, it sucked last year that, you know, Jamie Newman leaves at the beginning of the year and then JT's not fully held at the beginning of the year. Then Dewan Math is kind of just what didn't have it. Like in a lot of ways, you can say, yes, he's the victim of circumstance. He's trying to make the best of, of a bad situation. And people are killing him for it because the quarterback is such an important position. It's a high-profile position. But you're right, Chris. I go back to the messaging, and that's where it's just kind of like, ah, oh, man, you're just not helping yourself out here. Um, Which is like, if I'm Carson like, Beck, I'm pissed. Like, I'm pissed on Carson Beck because all year you're told number two. And he's gone. Well, yeah, but I'm saying, like, I understand him being angry. All, the whole time yeah. he's being preached as a number two guy, and as soon as you actually need him, you skip over him. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 and like maybe something changed between when he said that, like the two weeks when Stetson comes in and plays, maybe, but it's just weird. It's like, no, probably Stetson is your backup the whole time. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it was a weird thing. I can't, I can't make sense of that, honestly. I still can't make, I've tried to make sense of it. I can't, I don't have answers. Here, here's the one thing, here's the one thing I will talk about, you know, as we're moving back to JT. The one thing he does better that Stetson sure as heck doesn't do, in my opinion, as well or even close to as well. JT does a lot better of getting us into the right play at the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. even in run fits mm-hmm. or anything at the line of scrimmage. I don't think – I think you're right. I don't think Stetson's bad in that respect. I don't think he's bad pre-snap and post-snap. I think he's really good pre- and post-snap compared to most quarterbacks. I think JT is elite pre- and post-snap from a mental standpoint, from understanding the game and coverages and, and how to attack them and, and identifying those things. I think that's and what sometimes makes that can be the sometimes that can be the, the difference in a successful run or not. Yes, and that's not to say JT doesn't make mistakes. JT has thrown balls in, into tight windows that he shouldn't have thrown into before as well. But I just think from a – he – and this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the year when, when you know, when Stetson comes in, we're talking about JT versus Stetson. I feel like JT early in the year had turned the corner compared – even compared to what we saw last year. I thought the deep ball was better. It was an issue for him last year. It really was. That's why when people talk about Stetson's deep ball, which has been an issue at times, uh, JT had those same issues last year. I, th- I thought we saw it was a small sample size earlier this year, but I thought it was better earlier this year. And I just thought he was more decisive. And part of that is just understanding from the get go where to go with the ball, knowing the coverage, identifying the coverage, see what they're doing post snap, knowing your answers that you have built in offensively. And I just felt like he was more decisive and just more comfortable doing that early in the year. Did you get that same vibe from him? Yeah, even in this this game, yeah, he threw that pick, but at least he, he was decisive in where to go. And you think about on that fourth down, he was decisive right away, got rid of it, even though, you know, everyone's like, well, he checks down more. Well, sometimes 
you check to live down and play another down because what what good is it if you throw it downfield trying to go for a touchdown on a fourth down and don't get it? Yeah, I, I agree, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, like that that one interception was a terrible throw. That, honestly, it's just a bad throw. He threw it behind him as an RPO. If he hits him in stride, it might have been a touchdown, maybe. Um, it's just a bad throw. Threw it behind him, and it. But it happened like when you're coming off, you know, a couple of weeks, or however many weeks of of rust, I six mean, weeks you haven't played. I mean, what's yeah. I said? Like, I won't sit here and say it was a good throw. No, it wasn't. It was a bad, was a bad throw. throw. Probably probably try, shouldn't have tried to squeeze it in but the fact is like everyone's like uh, i saw someone be like on all these message boards or just in general like jt threw a pick that should settle that stetson's a guy i'm oh, like whoa whoa, whoa. Throw. they both made that's what i'm saying think back to south carolina his very first throw was a million times worse than that throw out of jt who had been who had been sitting for six weeks go back to yeah. vanderville terrible throw in that for uh, other until this a little bit in the second half he was shaky. I was like, dear God, should, we shouldn't even have him on the field. Just go ahead and put Beck in him because he yeah. was not making quick decisions. He was throwing picks, throwing it in the coverage. So I, first off, like just saying because he threw a pick coming in, you know, in relief after sitting so long, I think that, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, but once I mean, again, I don't expect it out of the fan base. Well, I mean, it's it's a passionate sport, man. We all love this stuff. And we well, take it but very I'm saying, but in general, like, we, but like in general, right now, I say that because, like you mentioned earlier, we've created another situation yep. where everyone's choosing their person yep. going forward. Yep, that's yeah, that is situation. Well, let's let's talk about that moving forward now. So, like, I know we have got a couple more things to talk about. So let's try to get through this part real quick here because I know we've talked about this so many times. But now that we got JT working back into things. And obviously, Stetson was still the starter. How do you see the quarterback situation playing out moving forward? I think you're going to have to get JT more reps at least because the fact is we should have been up on Missouri a lot more than we were, but we were very stagnant for a long time. Like realistically, you know, people always say, well, I want to get my backup in when we get up a lot. Well, if it takes you three, three, almost as long as it did to even get up enough to put JT in, that to me realistically wasn't enough because you see Tennessee and some of these other teams getting way up on Missouri a lot quicker, and yet we were struggling to get up on them. Yeah, I mean, every game's is its own different thing. But yes, like early in that game, like what we had, I think we had three points in the first, or seven. We, we, we scored a touchdown late in the first quarter. So I think we outscored them seven to three in the first quarter. This is a team that's been outscored like 70 to 24 in the first quarter or something like that. I forget the exact number, but something crazy. And I thought we had a good chance to kind of end it from the get go, but we did not. Uh, because we had trouble running the football, and we didn't we didn't start taking those shots on first. Down. That's one thing we need to do. Well, more and as also, you mentioned too, when the, when the kill shots were the, when the kill shots were there to be made, we didn't make them. And you can't do that, especially when you play a good yeah. team and you have a running back running down the field. Think back to against Alabama last year when Stetson made that throw, led him and allowed the guy to run under it and yeah. outrun the linebacker who can't stay with him. There was not there this time, and you can't do you can't you can't continue to do that and like stall out on these drives because you don't make the play when it needs to be made. Yeah, I agree. Well, for me, here's all I'll say, Curtis. Look, I it's tough to say for sure because you know JT is still kind of getting worked back into the swing of things, coming back from the injury, and how is he 100 healthy? We don't know. You got to take the rust off. All that it was nice to see him get some action here, but and I I did predict last week that he was going to get in, and I, it kind of played out exactly how I thought it was. I didn't think it would be like a, a you know third series rotation or something like that. I thought it would probably be something like this, and I figured he would get a chance to get in, and I was happy that he did. But the fact that we waited until we were up 33 to three and firmly in control this game before we got him in and I, I, and maybe things can change. Maybe they can. I, I think right now I'm just sitting here and where my mind is not saying this is what I want to happen, but I've been, I was told that, you know, JT was gonna be the guy when, when he got healthy. I just don't know if I believe that now. I, I think right now, just waiting so long to get him in this game and maybe I'm putting too much in this one game. I just, I feel like the coaches from, and, and from their perspective, it's, this is Destin Bennett's team. At this point, I, I think I think that's what we're looking at here. I think we just need to come to terms with, with the idea that Stetson Benson be our starter, and JT might get worked in when we have opportunities to, in case something happens to Stetson because he's a small guy. But do you get that feeling, or do you or do you think that I get that feeling? And all I, I get that feeling right now, and all I know is if Kirby wastes this amazing defense by such a decision like this, then I, he gets everything he reaps. Is what I will say. Do you think because he's going to it, wait until we potentially lose a game before he makes the move or do you think he's like in game i know you think that he doesn't have the balls to make this move um but no, i think he waits till we lose and at that situation if it's in the playoffs or something what good does it do you just wasted that defense to wait until we were in trouble we i would think if we're well, struggling well, in a game the, and we need a here's the thing what if, if he if he waits till we're in trouble in a game and yeah you haven't gotten JT enough, then then you're either way your lack of foresight has screwed you and your I, lack of, I, oh, I just want to go with what's the hot hand right now. And yeah. right now, realistically, I, I don't sure. know if I would truly, I don't know if I would truly designate Stetson as the hot hand the way he's played the last couple of weeks either. I want to just throw that out there. 
Yeah, I just think Stetson's – I think that's where – I think that's the direction we're moving. I think Stetson's going to be the quarterback. And all I know is if I'm JT, I get the heck out of here. If he was even thinking about coming here, and if I'm a quarterback in the future, I'd say I don't know if I want to go somewhere where if I'm down for a little bit, then I lose my job. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's interesting. That's going to be the case that we need to go – yeah, it, it's Stetson isn't going to be the guy. Like, I think it just that's the way it seems to me. That's the vibe I get. Then I think we just, we really need to go all in on Stetson. Then, if you're going to make the decision, go all in on him and change the offense some to fit what he does. And I, and I, cause I don't think we're doing that right now. I don't know. I don't, and I don't think that's doing him any favors, to be honest with you, because we're not really maximizing. We're kind of doing some things of his skill set, but not completely. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Um, all right, so enough about offense, Curtis. We have a, I know you, gotta get, you have to get out here in about 10 minutes. I do want to quickly talk about the defense before we get out to our game balls. Um, so defensively, at the end of the day, when you hold a team to six points, uh, 273 total yards, you did your job. That's, that's, a, great, that's a great effort. But – after giving up 4.1 yards per carry to Florida last week, we gave up another 3.5 yards per carry to Mizzou. Again, guys, 3.5 yards per carry is still really good. That's not our standard, though, right, Curtis? We're talking about our standard. That's not our standard against Missouri. So are you concerned that we are starting to see maybe some cracks in the foundation here? Because our strength against the run has been the key to this whole thing all year. Are you any bit concerned at all? I'm not concerned as showing cracks as much as I am. We were just sloppy. Like going back into the beginning of the year, if, if I talked about Missouri being one of the scariest, toughest games for us because it was a trap game. Now, if Missouri was better, we would have been in trouble because we did play sloppy defensively. I mean, N'Kobe Dean was missing tackles left and right. We were and rushing he never does that. wildly with mobile quarterbacks. I mean, just ridiculous stuff. I've never yeah, seen N'Kobe miss a tackle, really, it felt like, and he was missing like two or three. Um, yeah. And so we were just sloppy, in my opinion. And that's why I'm not ready to say it's a crack as much as it, I think it was the hangover of Florida. We were all very emotional for that game. Now we'll see how can, uh, Tennessee goes before I want to, you know, like I said, before I say here and say there's cracks as much as I just don't know how, especially with all the stuff with Adam Anderson and things like that. It felt like the defense just wasn't as focused as you, you used to seeing. And this is the ultimate, like, nitpicking here because again we held him to six points 273 total yards that is an elite effort by any stretch of imagination but again we're talking about the standard did we play to our standard uh, we played to our no. standard against the pass because like look guys they had two backup quarterbacks in all right Connor basic was in this game they were not able to challenge us to the year they don't have elite receivers that was not going to be what they were able to do now i will say part of the issue the similarity between florida and missouri is that they both had guys that could run the football and we gave up too many scramble yards we gave it more scramble yards in this game really that's what hurt us like the yards we gave up were just scramble yards like th- that was really what it was there are a couple quarterback draws here and there we figured that out pretty quick uh nolan smith cracked the guy we finally figured it out in the second half and i think it was making on that play just decimated him um but there were scramble yards and th- part of that was we were undisciplined, more undisciplined than we normally are in our pass rush lanes. And look, it's really hard, I will say, two weeks in a row, you have limited tape on Anthony Richardson. He's the starting quarterback. You have almost no tape on Tyler Macon, a little bit of fourth quarter against, against Vanderbilt, but they were winning that game. Very little on Brady Cook. And you weren't all week, you weren't sure if Connor Basic was going to play. We didn't really find out until like Friday night, early Saturday, he wasn't going to play. I didn't think he was going to play, but we didn't know, so you have to prepare for him. So you're basically preparing for three different quarterbacks, and that makes it tough because they kind of do different things. So I will say that there's 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 that context there, but we were we were sloppy, Kurt. You're right. We're missing some tackles that we normally don't miss. Rushing up field a little bit too much, and like and just being undisciplined there. And that's what going back to the beginning of the episode, talking about just did we play to our standards? Those kind of things, special teams mistakes, giving up too many yards on a, on a kick return, uh, those kind of things are, are what I, I'm talking about when I say did we play to our standard? And I don't think that we did. We played really well, well enough to win by almost thirty or what? What it was a forty three six thirty plus points. Didn't quite cover, but played well. But again, does that kind of effort beat Alabama? Does that kind of effort beat Ohio State? Does that kind of effort beat Oklahoma to play them? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so that's kind of where I am with that. I thought defensively we were really good. We just 
just didn't play quite as disciplined as we normally do and just saw some things from the Stevens that we don't normally see. But I'm not freaking out because like what they do offensively, what Florida did offensively is just different than what a lot of teams that we play do. Uh, they don't have those kind of quarterbacks, and we didn't have a ton of tape on them. So there's that there's that factor as well. The offense was just a little bit different this week from Mizzou than it has been all year, and the same thing for Florida last week as well. So I'm not freaking out. We're fine. Um, we're still going to be challenged by Tennessee. We'll get to that later on this week. That's going to be the biggest challenge of the year, stopping that offense at this point. People have been talking about all year how we haven't faced anybody. Well, that's about to change real quick here, Kurt, as we get up to Rocky Top this weekend. But all right, Kurt, let's move into the last segment here. We got some game balls to hand out to highlight the best performances of the week. Who are you going with first, Curtis? Um, first, I'm going to go with Trevon Walker. The guy was just an absolute monster out there. You sold it, man. Trevon Walker is two weeks in a row. This guy is coming on. Like, and no one talks about him. I think it was our, our, our guy, Josh, uh, who mentioned this on Twitter. And he mentioned, like, I think it was him and Latavius Breen. These guys just don't get enough love. I think people are starting to figure out how good Trevon Walker is. Uh, especially, especially after last week and, and what he was doing against Missouri as well. This guy is elite, man. He doesn't get near enough love. We have so many guys that are so good that we got to give love to. But Walker should be at or near the top of the list. I think he's a first-round talent. That would be a first-round draft pick. He plays a five-tech defensive end, which isn't as important position as some of these other spots, like a nose guarder or an outside linebacker. But, man, that guy is a freak. That guy is crazy good. He's like a monster right now. That's a big one there. I'm going to go um, – I'm going to see what the defense here. I'm going to go Quay Walker again. Quay Walker is uh, balling out, guys. Quay Walker is a beast. And now with Anderson out, he's getting more pass opportunities, which is really what he was doing coming out of high school. So he can definitely do that. I know Nicobe Dean's probably going to win the Buckus Award, right? Probably going to. And he, he yeah. should. Nicobe's awesome. But Quay freaking Walker – is just not getting near enough attention for how good he is. This guy is playing lights out right now. And Nakobe's awesome. I'm not taking anything away from Nakobe. Quay Walker's a beast, guys. That's a first-round linebacker right there. I'm just telling you, I've, I've been saying it all year, that dude's a first-rounder. He's playing better and better every week. It's honestly, I know Tindall's awesome. You want to get him on the field too, but it's hard to get Quay Walker off the field right now. That guy is just too good. He's too, he's too good. He's too good, man. All right, who you got next? Ooh, um, I'm going to have to go Jermaine Burton. Ah, oh, you stole it. All right, Jermaine, three catches, 76 yards, one touchdown. How big was it to get Jermaine back and see him make plays like that? It's really big. You know, we've been nitpicking about the offense and things, especially the run game and stuff, but getting him back and getting him healthy, you're seeing Kiaris get more and more healthy, makes you feel a little bit more confident that when we go to the passing attack, we can, especially when you've had people like Ladd still out there making some plays on third down, that touchdown catch. Um, I mean, I know his little tunnel screen, but the fact is like he's out there making plays. It makes you feel a little bit better. Even um, just Rosemary Jackson, people like that, them making plays makes you feel a little bit warmer. Oh, it's huge, man. It makes me feel more than a little bit better. I feel a lot better. I mean, like we were for weeks where it was AD Mitchell and Ladd. That's who we had. And you get Jermaine Burton, who was supposed to be our top guy, come back in this in, in come back to the end of this year. He's back. And not only is he back, he's making some explosive plays for us. That's what we need. Like this offense, if we want to we've been talking about all year, Chris. Is the offense good enough to win a national title? Well, guys like Jermaine Burton coming back and making those kind of plays that we were hoping to make all year. That is a really good sign for this offense. Because what we're going to have to do is, I mean, what this offense is right now is we want to run the football, establish a run, and, and hit explosive plays when they try to when they try to load the box. We want to take those play action shots. And Jermaine Burton is a guy that can make those kind of plays. And to see him do that is a huge shot in the arm for us. I hope that's a sign of things to come. Because you add him to the mix with all the wep- other weapons we have. Like we have a ton of weapons offensively. They're young, but we have a ton of weapons. And he's just another one that you can you can add to the list. Um, all right, I'm gonna go. You stole Walker and you stole Burton from me. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go Jordan Davis here. How about that? I go Jordan Davis. I know he's a guy you can give one to every single week. That one where he just basically uh, there was a player. I guess it was right at line. I don't know if it was a tackle for loss, but um, he it was Tyler Beatty. He ate him alive. You know, he just like, like it was, it was he like Beatty just disappeared for a second when he was enveloped by by Jordan Davis. But I mean, he's the key to what we do with defensively week in and week out. Just basically. <laughs> completely control the line of scrimmage, what this guy does every single time he's out there. He's just – no one can move him. No one can stop him. He's so important to what we do. I think he's clearly the best defensive player in the country. I wish he would at least get it. And he's not going to win the Heisman. I wish he would get an invite to New York. I really wish that movement would kind of catch on and, and get, get some momentum here. I don't know. I don't think it will, but I wish it would. He's that good. But uh, Jordan Davis, man, he get one every week. I'm going to go Jordan Davis. All right, who's your last one? Oh, um, last one. I guess I got to go Zeus. Um, you know, we didn't do great in the run game, but I thought he was out there battling. He runs hard, man. He, it was certainly not a vintage game. I mean, I think he only had like 
14 yards, but when he's out there, he's bad. I mean, James Cook, I mean, running backs, I mean, we didn't have any. Uh, yeah, I mean, I Cook. could almost go James Cook. I just felt like the running back, I almost want to give it to the whole unit because they no one out there truly did anything super special, but they all did their parts. Yeah. It, like, we didn't have a ton of, like, crazy, awesome individual performances, right, outside of, you know, the ones that we've already kind of gone over. It wasn't that kind of game. It was kind of – we had a lot of contributions from a lot of different people. So, yeah, like I, the, the, what, the run you mentioned earlier by James Cook where he made the guy miss in the hole, that was all Cook. All cool. That was a, that was a great play by James Cook. Um, all right, my last one here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Darnell Washington. All right, and I know if you look at the box score, well, Tyler, he only had one catch for 11 yards. Like, what are you doing? Well, it's not about what he's doing in the passing game. Like that. That's gravy. This guy is an elite blocker. I mean, he is a freaking monster. On the touchdown, I know we brought in Jalen Carter and, and Davis in there as well, but Darnell basically made that play by himself. He, we didn't almost need those guys. He's just standing people up, crushing them, taking their souls in the past game. And he's doing it every time he's out there. Like he, I'm not saying he doesn't miss blocks, but it's rare. And he's just devastating. He's a devastating blocker. And that's another part of, of our run game that's really helping things out is when you have a guy like that out there that's just such a force in the, in the run game, that's huge, man. And then what he can do on top of that in the past game, that's, like I said, that's just gravy. That's just gravy. So Darnell Washington, I want to give him some love. I know you don't get a lot of love for blocking, but that's big for us. And he's the one guy that's really doing a great job consistently blocking on the perimeter when we line him up out there and ask him to do that. But all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. I know we're kind of a downer today at times, focusing on some things that we aren't doing as well. The fact is we are still 9-0. We still just won a game 43-6, to but... As I said at the outset, it's not about the opponent. It's not about the final result against an overmatched opponent. It's about us. It's about the standard that we aspire to and the standard that we need to be playing to in order to beat the teams down the road that we're going to have to beat. Because that's what we're looking at now, guys. We have a big game this weekend in Knoxville on a rocky top. That's going to be a really tough environment. Tennessee's playing really good football on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, they just gave up 600 yards to a relatively anemic Kentucky offense. So there's that, but they are putting up points. They run at a rapid pace. It's going to be a crazy environment. So we're going to need to bring that standard. We're going to need to play to that standard very much so next week in Knoxville. And that's why today on the show, I know it it can be annoying when you sit here and you just kind of harp on the things that we're not doing well. Not that we're not doing those things well, but some things that we just need to improve on. And trust me, guys, we're doing a lot of things really, really well. We tried to highlight some of that with with our game balls, but we also just want to be aware that there are some areas where we need to continue to develop and continue to improve. Because I know right now, the narrative is and the national perception is that we are head and shoulders above better than everybody else and we are the clear number one team in the country and based on our performance to this point and how we've been able to handle teams yes I think that is fair I think we have earned that but that doesn't mean that we are invulnerable we are a college ball team a very 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 good college ball team an elite college ball team but that doesn't mean that we can't lose. And we've got to be able to clean up on a couple of these things and get better in these areas so that it doesn't happen, so that we don't lose those games. But yes, at the end of the day, it's still good to be able to say, you know what, we didn't play to our standard. We didn't really play all that well. We were kind of sloppy and still beat a team 43-6, an SEC team 43-6. to Whereas you look at Alabama, and they certainly did not play to their standard against LSU on Saturday night at home. And they were lucky to escape with their lives in that game. So yeah, it is nice to say, even though we didn't play all that well, we still dominated the team on the other sidelines. So there's that. There's that. But again, thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate all the support, all the support you guys have given us all throughout this season. It's far from over. we got a ton of great content still to come for you guys this week and for weeks to come down the stretch of the 2021 season. So make sure to check back later this week. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs.